From Bossier City, Louisiana, this is the Grouch and the Brainstorm. Yes, I hope everyone noticed the new music, the new <laughs> intro music. Coleman didn't notice it, obviously. So, my name is Mike, and I am here with Matt. Say What's hi, Matt. What's happening? What's happening? Jill. Hey, hey. And our special guest of the evening, the kind of evening, is Coleman R. And normally, after the I do the intro, Coleman, I say, of the Koala Club. But Coleman is, is of all the clubs. He, he is a... He is a uh, club jumper, a club hopper. World he is a traveler. <laughs> world traveler. And um, so Coleman is here today, and he is going to tell a little bit of his story, maybe the whole thing, if we uh, if we are so lucky. But um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, Coleman? Well, my name is Coleman. I'm an alcoholic, and uh, I've been a sober member of this fellowship since March the 17th of 2013, and I'm happy about that. And uh, I say a sober member, not always a recovered member. Um, you know, there's, I think there's a big difference between being sober, which I've done perfectly since March the 17th of 2013, and being um, recovered and, and living a life on, a, on, a, uh, on an altruistic plane. Um, go ahead and start. Absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, I grew up in um, Podunk, uh, Louisiana, a little little community called Stanley, population uh, fifteen, and um, fourteen of us are related, and uh, <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> I have questions. And it's uh, you know, and I felt uh, from the very beginning, from the uh, from the absolute very beginning, from the first day I remember enrolling in kindergarten and going up to kindergarten roundup, I um, uh, felt. Uh, felt different and um, felt apart from, and and you hear that in meetings. You know, I think everyone from behind the podium always says the same thing. We always feel less than and apart from. And uh, so um, I knew uh, from a very early age uh, that I was... um, uh, long story short, I was attracted to the same sex um, from my from my earliest memory. What? And, <laughs> <laughs> when did this happen? And that, I have and, more questions. I'm close, right? <laughs> I got lots of questions, Coleman. And that, right. that plays a uh, that plays a, a huge part in um, in all of my sobriety because I, I, from the very beginning, I, I had a I had a problem with. I, I I wouldn't I don't even know what to call it. I wouldn't call it gender identification, but I because I, uh, I've all I, I mean I identify as a man, obviously, but uh, I just knew I didn't know what gay or lesbian or any of that was. I just knew that I wasn't supposed to be thinking the way I was thinking, and um, and of course, what what do you do when you're that young? You, I, I don't know. And I was always told, so fast forward a little bit through school, I was always told, oh, you need to be, you need to have more, more guy friends, more, more male friends. Well, um, hell yeah. <laughs> all my friends were, uh, all my friends were girls um, from, from, from my earliest, from, from, I mean, from the, from the get go, from the very get go, all of my friends were girls and, um, and I played, 
I don't want to be, I don't want to get stuck on this, but uh, I'll just say this, you know, I played with Barbies and I was never told like, that's wrong. I was never, that's not what I was, I was never told that by anyone. My parents were extremely cool. And I actually, um, you know, moving forward, I, uh, I came out when I was 15 and, uh, in little podunk, Louisiana. And, uh, I, uh, you know, I thought that would solve what I thought was going on. Like everyone, I was called names my entire life. And, um, and I always felt different and apart from, and so I thought by coming out and, and being official with it, that y'all would finally just shut up and leave me be. And it, <laughs> and it only got worse. <laughs> After you came out, it got worse. Yes, yes. And um, so I, I rolled through high school, you know, and I, I, I didn't, I want to say that I did not grow up in an alcoholic home. Uh, what I know now um, is that my parents uh, had their own, um, demons, I guess. Uh, my mom grew up in an alcoholic home and my dad lost his dad when he was really young. So he was, my, my, my own dad was not a very emotional man. Um, so he didn't show emotion. We didn't hug. We didn't do any of that until a little bit later on in life. And, um, but, uh, my mom, because she grew up in an alcoholic home, alcohol was bad. And, and I was always, that's what I was always taught. Don't drink, don't drink, don't drink. Alcohol's bad. Your, your uncle is an alcoholic. Your grandfather was an alcoholic. And so I, I never drank. In high school, I never drank. I, uh, I was a, a top of my class, if you want to call being top of 20-something, <laughs> um, I mean that's a win. <laughs> that's a win. I mean, don't don't I take it on like the lowest of twenty. So I, mean, I would have been twenty-one. Third grade was three of the best years of my life. You know, <laughs> but uh, I, uh, I I did well in school, and I was what I was told. What I was taught was go to school, make good grades, graduate, go to college make good grades, graduate, and get a good job and live happily ever after. Uh, my father was very educated. My mom never went to college, but she was super smart. Uh, my parents were together for about 40, uh, 47 years before my dad died. Um, and um, so I was just always taught to go to school and do well. And, and I started going to school and I got into college and I went to college and I didn't take my first real drink of alcohol until I was 21. And I was in my first AA meeting at 27. And, uh, and, and there were so many, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speed it up and tell you exactly what happened in a nutshell. There was always a line and I always crossed it. There was, I'm never going to drink. And I drank. I'm, and, and, you know, uh, I guess I should preface this by saying, um, you know, that I am a drug addict as well as a compulsive gambler. And, uh, so that's, yes, yes. The devil's trifecta. <laughs> and, um, I, uh, uh, said I would never drink and I drank, I would never do marijuana. That was next. 
I'll never snort anything up my nose, and I became a cocaine addict. Um, I'll never do crack cocaine because I just heard horror stories. That was next. Um, and I'll never do methamphetamine because, I mean, you know, that's, I mean, that's white trash. It's trailer trash. What you see in, in TV and the, uh, the epitome of, of methamphetamine is, is what, what you see. You know, the, the hillbillies in Kentucky. That's, that's what you <laughs> associate. It, that uh, definitely is a stereotype that goes <laughs> along with, uh, well, we call it meth. <laughs> <laughs> those who call it methamphetamine are a little higher class. <laughs> but that's it. That's uh, it went. It went really fast. And uh, when I, what happened was, I discovered drinking. And the very first night, I took my first real drink of alcohol. There was this. <sighs> my shoulders dropped. My my hands became unclenched. My jaw loosened, my head quit racing, and there was this immediate thought as that alcohol traveled down my esophagus and warmed my insides. My next immediate thought was, where have you been? And I fell in love with alcohol, and I would love to sit here and say that I um, was a social drinker. Uh, I was not. I, I fell in love with alcohol from the get-go and was a sloppy drunk from the very start. And uh, my friends, one by one, quit hanging out with me because I was doing way more than anyone. I was drinking more. Then came the drugs, and I was drugging more. And then came the gambling, and I never left the casino. And um, just crazy, crazy, crazy. And, uh, you know, I can sit here and say that today... Uh, all of the drug use, all of the drinking, um, they say yet, uh, and I was told that yet is your eligible too. Um, so I'm very much eligible still, uh, for DWIs and DUIs and, and, uh, anything of, of, of that nature, but I have not had any of that today. I, I've, I've never even had a misdemeanor. Um, and so, when I get into Alcoholics Anonymous, one of the one of the greatest things of Alcoholics Anonymous is that you don't have to have that to qualify as an alcoholic. Like our our uh, the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking, and I had that desire, and 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 I can I can talk to another alcoholic and I can tell them I don't know what it's like. Uh, to be arrested or, or to be in jail or to have any of that happen. But I can tell you all about the hideous four horsemen. Um, and I can tell you that um, it wasn't until December of, I started drinking in 2005. And at the end of 2012 um, was when I uh, awoken, awoken, awoke, awoke, awoke. Uh, to the hideous four horsemen. So and real I, quick, for those that don't know what the four horsemen are, the four hideous four horsemen, could you tell us? Yes, bewilderment, uh, terror, frustration, and despair. Okay. And, Named uh, them all four. And they uh, they were there that morning. I can't tell you exactly what morning that was, but it was right before Christmas of 2012. And uh, that, that particular night, I was given what I thought was speed. I was sitting in a chair. I woke up sitting straight up in the chair in the same spot that I passed out in. And I remember thinking this was not speed. This was, this was not what, this is not what speed does, you know, because I can remember being up for, you know, days and weeks at a time. 
um, hallucinating and all sorts of crazy things. But uh, that morning, I remember thinking, "This, I, I can't do this anymore. I, I, I'm, I'm tired. Um, it's exhausting. Uh, I, I don't ever have any money. I don't." My self-esteem was in the garbage. It had been in the garbage most of my life, but drugs and alcohol, of course, made it worse. And, of course, give me, give me alcohol and drugs, and I'm willing to go to places that I normally would not ever go and hang around people that I normally would not touch with a 10-foot pole. And I do things in order to change the way I feel, and I do all sorts of crazy things to get what I want and hurt people that I, I, I don't care if I hurt or don't hurt, but you're in my way of getting what I want. And, um, you know, uh, of course, the, the, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous tells us we're like a tornado roaring through the lives of others. And, um, and I was that tornado. And if you got, if you were near me, you were swept into my debris field. And uh, it just, anyway, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's my story. That's, uh, I would, I would say that's the very, the, the edited version, the very quick version of, of what went down. Um, and I, and I did want to start the meeting and I did not, but um, I do uh, have a sponsor today who acknowledges me as his sponsee and um, he has a sponsor and uh, my home group is the Keystone Group of Alcoholics Anonymous. We meet in Shreveport on Monday nights at 7 at St. Luke's uh, Methodist Church. So if you're ever in Shreveport on a Monday night at 7 o'clock near St. Luke's and you're an alcoholic, drop me in and uh, check us out. That's I a really the, good meeting. I've visited that meeting. It's very good. <laughs> I am now the official coffee maker, so it's probably going to be the best coffee in town. <laughs> For sure. You can only imagine that. <laughs> Well, some people do go just for the coffee. You know, now Coleman's I'm not gonna official name names, barista. But I know a few, <laughs> a few of those individuals. Uh, yeah, I think they're just for the coffee. What? So you woke up that morning. What got you into a seat in the room? Uh, well, and I guess I should back up and say um, I, I did leave out a, a part of my story that uh, in 2011 I was unemployed. I was back living with my parents, um, using drugs and alcohol while I lived there. And uh, my brother sent me an email and said that the Council on Alcoholism and Drug Abuse was hiring for w- what I had what I had done since leaving college, which was uh, nonprofit development work. So uh, you know, marketing, PR, grant writing, uh, fundraising, things of that nature. And, um, and I went and I applied for the job. I got called in for an inter- interview and I got hired. And, uh, and that was when my life was becoming unraveled. Okay. And I was at the height of my addiction while I was working for CADA. I was only there for, let's see, June through October. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, How did you pass that drug screen? Because I know I had to. So, so they did not uh, drug screen me okay. uh, to, <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> okay, but, just check it. But that's what got me in October. They, they, uh, they, they got me in October. What had happened was. Yeah, <laughs> and I knew it was coming, and, um, and I knew it was going to be positive. And uh, 
But that year, 2011, I was making meetings. That's how I uh, I started going to meetings. My first 12-step meeting was actually a meeting of Gamblers Anonymous. Mm-hmm. I was willing to admit that I had a gambling problem, and I did. Um, and it was cutting into my drug and alcohol money. But I was not yet ready to say I'm also a junkie and a drunk. Um, I'm just I just have a gambling problem. Hey, not to and not to uh, interrupt, but I am going to interrupt because I walked. <laughs> I walked into. Uh, it's funny you say that. And where you go to your home group, they have one of those other meetings at that same location. And early in sobriety, I just looked it up on the deal, and so I walked in and sat down. And it's like four men, and they're all just looking at me, and they're like, "What are you in here for?" And I was like, uh, "The meeting." And they're like, "For GA?" And I was like. What does that stand for? And they're like gamblers, and I'm like, uh, not today, but I may be back, boys. Y'all keep my seat warm. And they said AA's down go. the hall, so that happened at St. Luke's. They got a kick out of that. So there are actually um, St. Luke. You know, let me make a, a, a plug cool a plug yeah. in for them. They uh, that particular church um, is uh, pro recovery. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they um house a lot of meetings. There are Al-Anon meetings, there are Alcoholics Anonymous mm-hmm. meetings, there are Gamblers Anonymous meetings, there are Overeaters Anonymous meetings. Depression and stuff? Yeah, I've there's seen. a depression yeah. support group there that meets. Wait. I mean, they are they are wonderful to the Shreveport uh, recovery community. And let me ask this, too, because I got this information, so I always go buy pumpkins. But they're pumpkins. <laughs> what do they do with the money uh, for the pumpkins? Yes. I really don't know. The guy but... told me that they sold it, that it goes to Oakwood and the oh, recovery that... program. Yeah, so actually. Pro- used to run Oakwood. So I'd bring the girls, you know, the women that were living there and we would help, you know, every year. It's, it's awesome. So I found that out. So now that's where we go when they do pumpkins because it all goes into those programs. So yeah, they are cool. I like St. Luke's. I love that meeting. I do too. I used to go to the Saturday morning meeting. uh, meeting. I loved it. Oh, and, um, uh, this, um, so, so I got fired from CADA and I thought, they would hold my job because um, I was the best grant writer ever. And they would hold my job. And <laughs> instead of sending me to CADA, they would send me to some posh rehab. And I'd go off to like Malibu. Malibu. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, somewhere. And, um, Lindsay Lohan. I would, <laughs> I would be able to come back and be employed. And that, of course, is not my story. And um, it was uh, at the end of 2011 when I started outpatient treatment with Myra Carter, um, who is a a well-known counselor here in Shreveport. Um, She was my counselor at the Office of Behavioral Health, and I did outpatient with her, and then she set me up. I could not pass a drug screen. I could never pass a drug screen, and I could not correlate that if I use drugs, my drug screen is going to be positive. <laughs> like, I couldn't understand why I kept failing drug screens. They should have given you more time to study for that. Yes. Test, <laughs> and uh, so I went inpatient in uh, January and February of 2012. I actually went 32 days at Rabel Recovery outside of Monroe, not Palmetto, actual Rabel Recovery. And then I came back to Shreveport and I did 36 days at the Center of Recovery, which is um, a, 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 an inpatient facility, one of its kind, um, in in the United States for uh, the treatment of compulsive gambling. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, nice. Tell us a little bit about 
early recovery? Early recovery. I, you know, so... Pull that mic a little bit closer to you. So 2011, um, I, uh, when I started going to meetings, um, you know, it, it, and this is before I decided to get and stay sober. So I, I played with addiction for two years, and I call it, I refer to it as Russian roulette. Like I had a loaded gun, spinning the barrel, pulling the trigger, hoping that this was not the one that would, that would be it. That would either, you know, the, we, we say jails, institutions, or death. Mm-hmm. And, and those were my three options. And uh, so I was making meetings, and I was... Um, I had a sponsor. I've had a couple of sponsors, and um, I uh, uh, it was I was going to meetings, and it was so easy for me to be a parrot, like and say I'm Coleman and I'm an alcoholic because y'all were doing it, and that, I mean that was easy. Yeah, I knew I had a problem. And, um, but uh, like I said, it wasn't until early 13, March of 13, where I decided to get and stay sober. And, um, let me just say, I don't remember much about early recovery because it went so quickly. You, you think when you're in it, it's like, oh my God, like I'm dying. I'm, I'm dying. <laughs> and I, and I won't let me, you know, we all get excited about that year. Like, I can't wait to get my year chip. And, um, and looking back now, I'm like, shit, it's been 10 years and it flew. And, um, my, uh, so in early sobriety, I got a sponsor, but let me tell you that in 2013, in March of 2013, you know, I, I, backing up earlier, I said in 2012, when I woke up in that chair, I was done. I had one little hiccup in March of 13 and, uh, and, and I was done, done, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, it was once, because the book tells me, the, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous says we have to concede to our innermost selves that we are alcoholics, that that is the first step in recovery. So before, and this is my own experience, before I can even look at powerlessness and unmanageability, I have to get that I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. And... Um, and once I got that, that in that two year span, once I, I, I was going to meetings, I went to outpatient, I went to inpatient, I lived in a sober house, blah, 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 all this stuff. You know, it says the, the book also says we're, we're alcohol becomes the great persuader and we're beaten into mm-hmm. a state of reasonableness. So basically I have to have my ass handed to me. And when it was handed to me, Early recovery was easy because, you know, and I know for everyone it's not, but I got plugged into AA. I've been, I I still make probably, I mean, I make close to 10 meetings a week and that's at 10 years sober. Um, and that's because I don't really have anything else going on, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, I am, um, when I was early on, I started taking meetings into treatment centers mm-hmm. and, um, I had a home group and I had a sponsor and I took people to meetings and I went to meetings and I was just as involved as involved could be. 
I really do think that's the key right there because I, I was in opposition. I was trying not to be a part of. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it face value. Who wants to be? <laughs> and I didn't want to. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to sit out here on the you outskirts. Know, we, hear, we hear so much like meeting makers make it. You hear that all the time. And every time I'm around new people, I'm like, just just hang out. Just come in. Just keep sitting down. Make it real simple because the longer you hang around and get meet a few people, then things start happening and you start going through that process. Mm-hmm. And we all have the same – everybody that's done well and and managed to get a little bit of sobriety, we all have the same – we we pick people up, we go to meetings, we do all that stuff. You know, it's like a broken record, but it's so simple, um, you know, but it's true. It's what works. Well, and I've heard some really awesome things about getting involved – in in AA and and one of the things that comes to mind for me in my own little analogy um, is uh, so I grew up in the country and um, during you know fall time Halloween we always had hay rides yeah. and they'd be through a pasture you know and you'd it, it'd be going super slow but I mean if you hit like a pothole or a little dip in the ground you know if you were sitting on the edge of the trailer it's very likely you would like kind of fall, fall to the side, fall off. Yep. There you go. And, um, and so uh, my, my goal in Alcoholics Anonymous and my goal still in Alcoholics Anonymous, because I'm so afraid not to be a part of Alcoholics Anonymous. My goal is to get on the inside of the trailer, not to sit on the outside Mm -hmm. because when the little dips in life and the little, uh, little things happen or big things happen, whatever happens, um, is that I'm not going to hit that bump in my in my road and fall off. I'm I'm going to be protected by the people around me, and um, you know. And they told me early on too. And I know this sounds harsh, but they said if you, uh, you know, if I have to step over dead bodies to get to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, I would. And I've I, I, and I've had that happen. I, I, Literally, I, uh, yes. I mean, I've I've had a sponsee hang himself. Oh gosh. Okay, um, sorry. So yeah, I mean, it's it's been it's been uh, I, I've seen I've seen overdoses. I've seen suicide. Yeah. Um, it's wild. Yeah, it really is. And it's real. Yeah. You know, yeah. it says it, 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 and and when I introduced Mike down at uh, the uh, conference a few weeks ago. And, and I forgot, I left out why I read this part for Mike's uh, story. But, uh, you know, Bill Wilson writes at the end of his story, he says, um, you know, there is a deadly earnestness. Like people would look at us and say, oh, wow, they're happy and they're laughing and they're talking about death and suicide and they're laughing and jolly and, you know, basically. And uh, but just underneath, there's a deadly earnestness. And it says that faith has to work within and through us 24 hours a day or we perish. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you start going to these funerals and you start somebody you sat with a meeting two years ago and then you hear somebody go, oh, you remember him? He, You know. And you go, oh shit! Coworker, and, me and you know, me and Coleman had a coworker. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, as much as we do laugh and joke and all that. At the end of the day, you know, it's killing people. So you know, it's a big deal. And it's it's really bad now. Um, you know, and I'm not well versed enough to talk about it. I just know that it seems like everything now, everything is being cut with fentanyl. Yeah. And it's really killing people. Like, I mean, left and right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's scary. It's, it's definitely keeps my ass in AA. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, 
dare do we think that, you know, if, if what was going on in the present time was going on back when we were doing our stuff, would we even have made it through it? You know, you know, even with me with just the drinking, you know, someone could have slipped me something and I would have never known. So, all right. So I'm going to change subject here no, or please. change direction. So I wanted to ask you this. We talk a lot about new people coming in the, in the program, right? First time new people. You talked about you growing up and the way you were growing up and being different. How was that for you coming into AA, good, bad, or indifferent? So it was great. Really? Um, because no one, what I found out was that no one cared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and huh. y'all don't, I was very disappointed to learn this, but y'all don't think about me as much as I think about me. We think about you, Coleman. I, we I know, do. I we know, do. I know. I like, me and still, Jill do anyway. I like to still think y'all do. But, uh, you know, uh, my sponsor told me, my, my first real sponsor um, told me, he said, um, he said, uh, I, I rem- the night I met him and uh, not really met him, but the night I asked him to be my sponsor and I'm like spewing all this stuff out of my mouth. And he's like, whoa, he like throws a hand up. He's like, dude, he's like, what I think about you is none of your business. And that fr- that was the first time anyone had ever told me that. And that freed me. That freed me of me thinking that's about really what good. y'all are thinking. Because mm-hmm. that's exhausting, too. That's like sure. yeah. drug yeah. use in and of itself. You know, Absolutely. It's always thinking about what people are thinking about me. And uh, so when I came in, uh, you know, I, I got a sponsor that not only took me through the 12 steps, but took me through um, the 12 traditions. And, um, and I love... You know, our our tradition three, and I can't quote it right now, but basically, you know, the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no gender requirements, no uh, no sexual orientation requirements, no height requirements, no race requirements. Um, and that freed me, too, because I... When I come into the rooms of AA without even saying a word, y'all know exactly who and what I am without there being any other title, Mm -hmm. without there being any other um, subscription. You know, I can come into Alcoholics Anonymous and I am just another bozo on the bus. I am a garden variety drunk. And, um, and, and that's all I am in AA. I'm a, I'm a drunk. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm not gay. I'm not, we're not Republican or Democrat. We're not black or white. We're not male or female. Whoever comes in through the door, the next sufferer walking into our rooms, um, I hope, uh, that we as a unit, um, and, and, and y'all know I've been to y'all's meeting, uh, the half past five. Um, but sitting in that room, I want to be a working unit, of a beacon of hope for the person coming in for the first time, scared to death. So I'm going to tell you the reason. Well, that question I've always wanted to ask you, but I had the opposite of that. About a year, a little over a year sober, I'm in New Orleans, downtown by the Superdome, staying in a nice hotel. I'm down there for the weekend for a family deal. I wake up one Sunday morning. I pull up the meeting guide on my phone. I don't read all the stuff. I don't know what kind of meeting it is. Well, it turned out it was 
that kind of meat. I don't know how to yell. She would describe it. Well, but, gay, gay meat? Yes, okay. I guess. Yeah, That's how you I don't, would I don't know. How, well, well, they 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 uh, <laughs> you have to sort of click on it and read what yeah, the meeting yeah. is. Well, I didn't do that. I saw AA meeting and I went. Yeah, the Lambda. So, yes, I've been to it. Well, I, I had never been to it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was. So I walk in, and this is in New Orleans, mind you. Uh, you know, near the French Quarter, and it was different folks in there. But you know what? We were all alcoholic, and it was a great meeting. And they didn't care that I was in there. Mm-mm. We were all there just to not drink that day, and I think it was great. And uh, you and, know, and and I'll say when I when I when I walked in when I came in when I walked in for the first time, like I I mean I, I had to like continuously make it known. But even when I tell my story now, it's usually what I start off with. I usually, the very first thing when I tell my story is I'm gay, surprise. (laughs) And, um, you know, and that is to be a constant reminder that y'all don't care. No one cares. No one cared. No one cared. No one cared when I came in. So in the in the rooms when when I wasn't you know, before I went to and and we we do have a very active Lambda group here in Shreveport. Um, Where do they meet at, Coleman? They meet. Uh, it, it was it was the. It's I don't think the church no longer exists, but it was called the Church of Hope. Um, it's actually on um, it's the, Highland. Yeah, it's the right, house next right to Oakwood. Next, yeah, the house okay. right next door to Oakwood Home for Women. Okay. In and, case anybody's interested out there. Yeah. Uh, they meet Mondays and Thursdays, I think, still at 630. And anybody's welcome. Yeah, yeah, of course. And before I, I before I went there, I was going to regular meeting. I don't mm-hmm. want to say regular, irregular. Straight you know, meetings. <laughs> straight meeting. But, you know, I sat in rooms with, with straight men, and I, you know, I could I had to, I had to, I felt like I needed to share to get over my fear. Oh, and I'll I'll say that my first sponsor, I knew when I decided to get and stay sober in 2013, I needed a male sponsor. And in my mind, he had to be the visual I had of a straight man. And um, and I knew that I needed a, a, a male to tell everything to mm-hmm. so I could get over my fear of, of straight men. And uh, Okay, I like that. So, because, um, you know, a lot of gay men choose women, choose female mm-hmm. sponsors. Mm-hmm. And, and I... I didn't know that. I'm yes. very old huh. school. I, uh, I am very old school, and I, I, I still think men with men and women with women, but that's just my, my personal opinion. Have you had the same <laughs> sponsor? No. Okay. I know the one you have now. He's a good guy. Have I you do. ever had a female sponsor? No. No. I've had all men. In fact, two of my... When I was... When Half Past Five was my home group uh, for three or four years... Um, I had Randy T and I had Joe B, um, both of those men as a sponsor. Um, but I've actually had, I think, six, um, I guess seven if you count one guy twice, because um, he, he sponsored me two different, two different occasions. Um, I, am, I am quick to get a resentment and go to, uh, go to another sponsor. Um, <laughs> that's, that's how I roll. <laughs> Six sponsors in ten years is not. 
No. Too and, terribly bad. I've well, had four in 12. I would love to be, and in fact, my sponsor now, my current sponsor, I've not, he got sober in 2005 or six. And, um, he, uh, he sponsors six of us and, um, and I've known him my whole sobriety. And this is the first time where I've been involved in a sponsor tree. Mm. So I'm very, we're, we're very active. Uh, we used to meet uh, and do the steps together, um, at my sponsor's house. Uh, all of us guys that he sponsors are very close, um, so when I don't get my sponsor, I have a sponsee brother that I can turn mm-hmm. to. Um, and I never had that in sobriety. And I always want, I wanted to be the per- the person that came in and got a sponsor and been like, I got a sponsor on March 17, 2013. And then, you know, 20, 30 years later, have the same sponsor. Like I, mm-hmm. I wanted to be that guy, but that just... It's not well. There's not a whole lot of those, <clears throat> but it's also good to have a different sponsor to have a different perspective going mm-hmm. through the steps. Mm-hmm. Have you ever ever had a uh, sponsor pass away on you? No, um, no, just close. No, and, and I don't know. I don't know why <laughs> I had to like think about that. No, no. I, mean, I, I was I was sitting have here going, well, any they either did or they didn't. That's what we're wondering. But, but I, was, I was trying to like come up with a one-up story. He, let me, let he me, was, let he me. was trying to think of the night he had the crosshairs drawn but didn't pull the trigger. <laughs> when you say pass away. <laughs> yeah, that uh, – yeah, I, I know the guy that's your sponsor now. I, I think he's a, a good dude. I, I've met him before, and from going to that meeting over there, and I, he's a good guy. And 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 the crazy thing is, I found out we're the same age. You know, I always thought he was. Uh, I, I mean, I knew he wasn't old, <laughs> but uh, I thought he was a, a good bit older than I. And he is not. We're the same age. He just got spot. He he got sponsored. He got sober uh, when he was. T- like 21 or 22 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he was he was young he's and he's still to this day a part of the young people's meeting awesome um and they're actually so if this goes out in the next uh whenever it goes out this this podcast when do you want it to go out uh well i don't know but i I wanted to throw out there that uh june um 30th through july 1st the louisiana state conference of young people in uh, aa lacy paul lacy paul are having their conference right here in shreveport lacy 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 shreveport shreveport convention center shreveport right? convention center and probably go uh, to the uh shreveport central office website to see the yeah, details yeah and uh yeah and my sponsor's been a part of the young people since he came in and great stuff right there the young people <laughs> i mean I'm, i think it's amazing to have that that going on there they are some eager beavers yeah um, right <laughs> they uh my sponsee brothers that are involved with Lacey paul and and the young people's group they are they're i mean they are always doing and going mm-hmm. and 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 when you get involved with the pauls <laughs> the the young people in aa like they go to I, I don't even know all of the names, but like every state apparently has one. And they, I mean, just a few weeks ago, they all got up and carav- caravan, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. to uh, to Tennessee to mm-hmm. the Tennessee Young People's uh, Convention. It's funny you talk about the the circle or the sponsor tree. I think Mike calls it, you know, and that is I have that too. And 
it's kind of cool. Um, a friend of mine sponsors a couple of guys, and they're like nephews, you know, in quotations, because they're not my sponsees, <laughs> but they'll still come up, and one of them did it the other night, Monday night, and I need to talk to you. And his sponsor was out of town or something, and I said, well, here's what I would do, but I would run that by your sponsor, you know, and uh, it, it's just good, and I and I run stuff by them, you know, and uh, it's just kind of nice to, to have that group like that that's pretty tight, so. So, hardcore drug user, alcohol user, gambler. Sound like someone out of the Wild West, doesn't it? <laughs> um, but you uh, managed to get sober, right? And and a lot of, of your story revolved around, you know, growing up with different emotional feelings than everyone else and being in a small town on top of that. Both parents were educators, or am I wrong? Just one. Okay, father was an educator um, at a school you went to. Yeah, he was assistant principal when I came out of the closet. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, I can only imagine that kind of pressure. So I met Coleman when you were probably a year sober, I would think it was about a year, maybe less. I started coming in before, I started coming to half past five before I was officially sober. So 2012. Okay. And you were coming up on a year. About a year, yeah. When when I started coming around, I was not sober, but I was coming to meeting every Saturday. At that point in time, I came every Saturday. That was my half past five day. So, and I me and Coleman worked together for a few years and, um, and, you know, I got to see him interact with his fellow coworkers and, and then I had to leave and go away for quite a while, come back and, you know, Coleman is still doing the deal. I've seen him, you know, and, and the sponsorship with him has always been huge. I've always heard a lot about a sponsor or sponsees coming from him. I guess my, my biggest question now, Coleman is, um, when it comes to those things that cause you all that anxiety prior to coming into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, whether it's orientation or just being from a small town or just feeling different in general, do those things still plague you today? Um, if I let them, um, I, um, this phrase popped up into my head the other day and, and, uh, I'm sure there's people in recovery and AA that would disagree with me. Um, But it was the phrase that popped into my head was spiritually torn because I think there is a, there is good. And, and that of course is God, the truth, the, the truth of who and what I am. And then there's not so much evil, but there's this other spirit Mm -hmm. um, of our defects of everything, of that little inner voice that lives in me prior to alcohol that says I'm not good enough, I'm not thin enough, I'm not handsome enough, I'm not smart enough. Um, And that voice, if not treated, you know, and what I mean by treated is the 12 steps. You know, meetings are going to carry me so far. But here's the thing about meetings and the reason why my ass stays in Alcoholics Anonymous is it's like the Theraflu to a cold. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily kill the cold, but it treats the symptoms. And, and it's medicinal. And, and AA meetings are medicinal for me. So I come to AA to, to, for an hour of my day to quiet 
that voice and to be spiritually fed for the debt for so it was told to me in the beginning so i I come to a a meeting i come to a meeting and sit for one hour so i can go out and try to live like a a decent human being for the other 23 (laughs) and uh but there is always that voice inside of me that says you know um that 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 little that little self-conscious booger that that you're not thin enough you're not handsome enough. You don't have enough money. You don't have... Uh, no one likes you, Coleman. No one wants... That, that's why no one ever calls or texts. You have no friends. They don't want to be around you because you're crazy. You know, I have... And, and, and I, I didn't share this. This is a big part of my story, but I am... Uh, I, I, I live with mental health. I have been diagnosed bipolar. Um, bipolar. And... Uh, you know, mild depression. And uh, so I have an inner addict and a voice of depression at all times. That That is, and it's always going, I, I think when I say I'm spiritually torn, there is always going to be a good and a not good. And I think they're always going to be at war. And it's, I, I don't know if it's a Chinese proverb or what proverb it is, but there is a proverb. And it rem- when I get up in the morning, I make the choice, which wolf am I going to feed today? Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And, and I, you know, and I have, I have those, I, I the two wolves are real, you know, they're, they're just, they're the polar, our polar, whatever. I, I don't even know how to describe it, but I think there is, I think, even though I, I, I'm pretty sure that deep down in all of us, we're inherently good people, um, I think self, which is ego, is always, Chuck C. talks about it in a new pair of glasses, ego separates me from me, me from you, and me from God. Mm. And it's never satisfied. Ego is never satisfied. And uh, self, self, you know, self-seeking, self-centered. The the book says that. That's what we are. Well, all that stuff you said, Coleman, about I'm not this, I'm not that, and all that. Well, there's very few people in this area that if the AA is brought up or I run into someone in the program or whatever, there's very few people's name that, you know, we say first names, and they go, oh, you go over there, do you know Coleman? And there's always smile when they say Coleman, and Coleman's kind of a, everybody knows you. So, <laughs> And I ran into a guy down in Mandeville one night, and he knew Coleman. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Coleman. <laughs> Coleman. Sarah to share a selfie, sent it back to Coleman. He don't remember it, you know. <laughs> him, him and James. Uh, so I worked James a job James. where I had weird hours for about eight months, and I was going to just random meetings that I've never been to because it was the only ones I could go to. I swear to you, James would just, he would be the only other person. I'm like, how do you, how do you even have time to come down here? Like, it's way out in Stonewall and there's James. Hey, what's going on, man? I'm like, how did you do that? You know, but yeah, no, we, we, uh, Coleman's, Coleman's, uh, and, 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 you know, and, and so, and this kind of to piggyback off of that and to go back to Mike's question is that the voice is there, even though I know that people have said good things about me and that I know, you know, I've, I've either 
you know, and this is not to toot my own horn, but to, you know, my, one of my biggest goals in life is to write. I, I've, uh, that's one of the things that I always buried. Um, and it's not, it's not to make the New York Times bestsellers list, even though that would be awesome. Um, but it's to make people laugh. And I want people to, I, I, I want people to laugh. Like I think laughter and that, we were talking about, and this a little side note, we were talking about hope the other day in, in our AA meeting at the, at the lunch bunch. We were talking about hope. And were you filled with hope when you walked into the rooms? And, and a lot of people said no. Most everyone said no. Hmm. And I said, absolutely. I walked into a room on a Friday night, and there was a group of men there, and they were talking and laughing and I remember, think, I, I told myself for a long time that I did not want what they had, but that is an absolute lie because if, it, if I did not want what they had, I would have never came back. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they were laughing and happy and, you know, the camaraderie, it, it, you know, in A Vision for You, the very first paragraph, you know, talks about drinking early on is camaraderie and conviviality joy, conviviality and and uh and we we drank for those things but in in early sobriety getting sober like I live for those things and I live for those things today like coming to an AA meeting and walking into a room like the other day again at the lunch bunch which is where I usually go on my lunch break um there was a new a couple new people came in and when they walked in, we were talking about cookies. We were talking about macadamia cookies and uh, chocolate chip cookies. And, and we were just having a random conversation. And that is what, if I were new, uh, looking back when I walked in, that's what I want to walk into. I want to walk into just random, funny yeah. laughter yeah. and uh, a, a common you know, a common ground, a common ground. Nobody trying to gang save you. <laughs> Come on. We just had we, this let conversation. Us, let us tell you what's wrong with you. Us three on a text the other night on a group text about the laughter and people laughing on this, this podcast yeah. and being a part of recovery. And, and hopefully people are hearing that we do have a sense of humor. This isn't all just sit around crying your beer, you know, right, this for just no ain't that. Want. And yeah. And I mean, we, we, uh, some, uh, sometimes that sense of humor is a little out there, but, uh, you know, I enjoy life today. And I, I'm like you, you were in there laughing when I came in Coleman, you know? So, you know, I, I didn't know what everybody was laughing at when I first came in, but I do now. So, well, Coleman, we appreciate you coming by. Um, hopefully one day whenever we have a regular episode you'll be more than happy to sit in we have extra microphones for you and uh, get your input um, anything else you got to say to the to the listening audience uh you know just going back to what I said earlier like get involved get in the middle the, you know and i've talked about the analogies i've heard in aa of of being picked off and it's you know the the flock of sheep and the wolves right and the the wolves are going to pick off the ones on the outside so get in the middle of the herd get involved stick and stay you don't have to keep coming back we say keep coming back keep coming back keep you can just come in and stick around and stay yeah yep. you don't have to keep coming back <laughs> Come in, sit down, stay. There you go. <clears throat> the one and only Coleman. The one and only Coleman. All right. For the Grouch and the Brainstorm, this is Mike.
one out was awesome. He did good. Dude. 